It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Age of Radio. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Because it's sports talk with Cooper and Big Man. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time once again for Sports Talk with Cooper and Big Man. This is Big Man. Joining me, as always, is my brother Cooper. Cooper, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Man, you know what? I'm always doing good on my favorite day of the week when we talk about football, baby. Shaking, bacon, pigskin. Yes, sir. It's a great day for up. me. Love this day. It's great. Let's do it. Yes, sir. We got a lot to dive into, so let's get down to it. All right. NASCAR was at Michigan this last weekend, and number 12, Ryan Blaney took the home the checkered flag the number 24 chevy william william byron took number two number three was in the number five chevy kyle larson in the number one chevy at four was kurt bush fifth was number 11 toyota denny hamlin matt de benedetto in the number 21 ford was number six kyle bush in the 18 toyota was seven chase elliott in the nine chevy was eighth brad kozlowski in the two ford was ninth and martin Truex jr uh, wrapped up the top 10 with uh, his number 19 Toyota. The cup standings, we had a little bit of a change, but not much in the top, but in the 6th through 8th positions is where we see the change, and we'll talk about that in just a second, as Kyle Larson still leads the cup standings in the number 5 Chevy. Martin Truex Jr. still right behind him in the number 19 Toyota. Alex Bowman in the 48 Chevrolet is right behind him at 3. Fourth is Kyle Busch in the number 18 Toyota. Fifth is Kyle, uh, sorry, Chase Elliott in the number 9 Chevy. Ryan Blaney moved up with that victory from 8th uh, to 6th in the number 12 Ford. William Byron also moved up to 7th in the uh, number 24 Chevy. Joey Logano slipped back to the number 8 spot in the 22 Ford. And the 2 Ford in the ninth spot is Brad Kozlowski. Tenth is Kurt Busch in the number one Chevy. Uh, Christopher Bell in the number 95 Toyota is 11th. Michael McDowell in the number 34 Ford is 12th. Eric Amarola in the number 10 Ford is 13th. Denny Hamlin is still the points leader without a win. 
in the number 11 Toyota at 14th. Uh, Kevin Harvick in the number 4 Ford is 15th. And Tyler Reddick is barely holding on to that 16th spot with one race to go in the number 31 Chevy. Boy. Yeah, it's it's a real tight um, point spread between him and uh, Austin Dillon. Dillon basically needs a, to fit a better finish, a lot better finish. He needs to basically lead some laps and have a big finish between him and uh, Cal Riddick, or he just needs to win uh, at Daytona next week for him to get a spot. So, uh, Ryan Blaney, as we talked about, held off Hendrick teammates William Byron and Kyle Larson to pick up his second victory of the season. The 77 one-hundredths of a second victory was the closest ever at the Michigan racetrack. Blaney won also in Atlanta earlier this year. Next week in Daytona will be the last race of the regular season before the chase for the cup begins. Blaney's win also bumped him up in the standings, as we mentioned, putting him in a more favorable position when the playoffs start. So, Cooper, your thoughts on the race from this last weekend? That's good for Ryan Blaney, man. I mean, Mm -hmm. to get a second win this season and then it bump you up in the standings and and give you a better position in the playoffs? Mm Mm-hmm. What more could you ask for, bro? Yes, sir. That's a great way to look at it because the you want to be in that final four when it comes down to the final few races, and uh, getting closer to that top spot is going to be a lot more um, helpful to you. So being in six, not quite where you want to be going into the playoffs, but still a lot better than being towards the tail end right. with a possible yeah. elimination coming really quick for you. So Blaney's got himself in a nice position right there. Logano needs to do something because he's getting closer to that bottom end of that <laughs> group, and that's not good. Now, being at eighth, yeah, he's barely above the first elimination group. Yeah, so that's, that's not good, dude. It's not. But we'll see what happens. You know, we got Daytona. A lot of people – Daytona produces some random winners. Um, not everybody is just a Daytona dominant person, so it could be interesting to see what happens next, next week. Definitely, man. All right, so – it is coming. The official end of the NCAA draws near. Some may wonder how. Easy answer is the alliance agreed upon by the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12 is the first major push against the NCAA. Everyone thinks that it was to counter SEC's move of bringing in Texas and Oklahoma to become the first major super conference. But according to the agreement between the three conferences, one thing they plan on looking into is how the NCAA is currently structured and if, che- if changes need to be made. This appears to be a way for those three conferences to prove to the SEC that they can all work together and create a new organization that oversees college athletics. That possible new organization, though, cannot happen without the SEC, but this is a step in the right direction. So, Cooper, shots fired by the three major conferences. Uh, definitely, definitely going to be seeing some big things happening. And uh, this is crazy, man. Uh, this is Untreaded Waters, mm-hmm. and uh, we're watching history in the making here. Yes, sir. It's going to be amazing to watch what happens with these three. Um, they did say that they will work on um, scheduling further down the road. Uh, they're going to kind of wait until some of their contracts start expiring because they do have contracts already set up. They don't want to just cancel all of them and restart from scratch. What does help is, like, like the Ducks play some of the Big Ten teams. Uh, obviously, Ohio State, so that helps. I think the ACC has a couple Big Ten teams lined up as well. Um, I'm not sure if the Pac-12 has any ACC matchups yet, but that's something to look um, towards down the line. Like I said, 
A lot of people were like, oh, it's just because they need to, they're trying to counter the SEC. I think, it, like I said, I honestly believe it's for them to prove to the SEC that they can all work together and try to convince them to join up to make a new athletic um, organization. What I find, find also ironic is the NCAA headquarters is in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is Big Ten country. Boy. <laughs> yeah. So shots fired right across the bow of the NCAA, man. Yeah, dude. Ooh. That's kind of a slap in the face when your second biggest conference just went, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to join up with these two. And you're like, uh, crap. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. I can't wait to see what happens. Looking forward to it. All right, so some NFL news uh, before we get to our predictions. The Jacksonville Jaguars, Chicago Bears, and Denver Broncos have officially named their starting quarterbacks with a week left in the preseason. Trevor Lawrence won the starting job in Jacksonville. The Bears stuck to their word and stated that Andy Dalton will start week one. And Teddy Bridgewater is QB1 in Denver. The only remaining quarterback battle that remains is the battle between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill for the starting position in New Orleans. Though if you believe the rumors, there are battles in San Francisco and New England for QB1 for those franchises, respectfully. I don't really see it in San Francisco. I kind of see it in New England. But, Cooper, your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I kind of want to address this whole thing with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Uh, from the looks of it, I would think that Sean Payton is wanting to go with yeah, Jameis Winston with this one because... Mm-hmm. No, I think that's that's the the right way to go with it. What do you think? I think so too. Jameis is always going to have that. Well, he made bad decisions in Tampa with the yeah. <laughs> turnover prone machine. But even though we never really liked Jameis, not because he went to Florida State, it was more than just that. It was the crap he did. It was yeah. the crap he did. Um, but he, there's no denying he has really great arm talent. Mm-hmm. And he did have that all-season eye surgery. I think it was LASIK, if I remember correctly. It was actual LASIK surgery for his eyes. So he now can see better, which could also explain some of his radical throwing into coverage because he might not have seen the guy as well as he could have if he had better eyesight. Um, Plus, Sean Payton will not put Jameis Winston in a position to make that many mistakes. Sure, plays break down, you get a little flustered, and you try to make something out of nothing, and, you know, a pick can happen. But he's not going to sit there and try to call a bunch of plays that go, hey, try to throw as deep as you can and hope your guy go gets it, like uh, Arians did for him in the last few years of his uh, time in Tampa. So, honestly, I believe Winston should be the starter. Hill is just, he's a gizmo player. He's not really, like, he's a gadget guy. He's not a prototypical quarterback and, and you know the the game we watched against the Jaguars mm-hmm. you know they weren't really setting Hill up to really compete with with Winston no they weren't I mean they weren't really setting it up to, for him to to even do anything because uh by the time he came in, didn't they, they switch everybody out and had all the second and third stringers in? Yeah, basically. So, they, they basically had no one left in the starters after they yeah, went so to the QB It change. really wasn't a good a good fit for him. So I think that, that Winston is probably their guy. Yeah. 
And I don't know about you, but that guy that was wearing number one for the Saints kind of looks beastly as a wide receiver, man. Right? He was tracking balls like crazy for Jameis. <laughs> he went up and got that last touchdown. Unbelievable catch and concentration as he went to the ground. Woo! That kid. I, I know. But the last time I got this excited about a wide receiver, especially for a team I don't like care about. I mean, I care about the Saints because I always had a soft spot for yeah. everything that happened after Katrina with the Saints. And I love Drew Brees, as we all know. But the last time I got that excited about a receiver in preseason, um, he ended up being pretty decent as a wide receiver. It was... Um, and I forgot his name. Huh. For the Giants. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I just drew a blank on his name. I'll get it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was the one who does the salsa dance every time he scored a touchdown. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? Anyways, go ahead. Talk some more. But, yeah, as far as, you know, uh, as far as New England and, and who is it, San Francisco? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, man. You you got you to gotta go with the veteran quarterbacks here. I mean, I understand you've got some young talent coming in, but we've got to go with veterans here. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that because I even like Cam Newton. I, I really don't care for Cam Newton. But I don't think that Mac Jones is ready for this. Yes, and that uh, receiver, by the way, was Victor Cruz. Victor Cruz. Yes. Gotcha. I remember because he did it back-to-back preseasons because I think he was put on the practice squad the first year, but he kept beating guys. And I'm like... This dude can't stay freaking guarded by anybody. What is up with this guy? I love him. And then the second year, he kept doing it again, and then they finally kept put him on the team, and he had a pretty good career. So Victor Cruz, man, whew, I love that guy. He was great. And I was like, why couldn't he have been a Ram? You know, played like that, could have been a Ram, would have been nice, but, you know, never mind. Yeah, uh, yeah the New England quarterback competition, uh, James, uh, not James, <laughs> the other guy we don't really care for, Cam, Cam Newton. <laughs> we have our reasons. <laughs> Two 2011 National Championship bull crap. Anyways, um, anyways, well, we won't talk about that. Uh, Cam Newton, of course, is out this week for five uh, days due to COVID protocol. This is the second time being in COVID protocol in as many years. So last year, he obviously missed some time with COVID. This year, he's missing time of COVID protocol, which then that means he's not vaccinated, so that could be a frustration to the coaches. And that gives Mac Jones all the Team 1 reps in practice this week, pretty much leading up to the game. Mac Jones has an opportunity to solidify himself as being the starter. I just, I have a hard time believing that Bill Belichick, though, is going to give up on Cam Newton unless he really just pisses Bill off. And that's possible. I mean, I mean it, it really is because Bill Belichick is kind of, mm-hmm. he's the old man. He's grumpy. Right. So, okay, well, before we move on, what do you think about the, the Denver, uh, not Denver, but the, because uh, we already kind of knew Bridgewater was going to win that, but the Bear situation with Justin Fields and Andy Dalton? Uh, yeah, this is, to me, this is shite. Yeah. Um, I don't think that Andy Dalton should be starting. Yeah. Um. I think give it to Justin Fields. I mean, he's already proven he can play in in, in the Chicago's conditions. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean the the weather he can play in that, and he's a he's a talent, dude. And you know, you jumped up for him. Start him. Start him. All right. 
Though I can also understand this too. I want I with um I don't know if I want to send Justin Fields out week one against that Rams defense. And Aaron Donald hunting him down. I'd almost rather have Andy Donald out there just to avoid that problem and then start him the following week. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I'm just saying. I mean, <laughs> having to go up against Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald on that Rams defense, plus we all know that uh, Leonard Floyd would love nothing more than to embarrass Chicago with a great game. Yeah. Because, you know, they let him go. He landed with the Rams, got that big contract, and I'm sure he'd love to prove himself to the Rams that he was worth that money because we gave up uh, some pretty good defensive players to keep him um, in free agency and also because, you know, (laughs) nothing more than to stick it to the team that gave up on you. Is this NFL talk or Rams talk? Speaking of the Rams. <laughs> I'm just wondering. I'm just saying, though. It, it was still Chicago. I'm just saying, though. I, I honestly would I still I still think that Justin Fields, he could actually pull it off. I mean, at least he has Week scrambling one. capabilities. Week one, he could pull it off. He does have scrambling capabilities, which mm. will help because we know how scramblers kind of pissed uh, Donald off. Uh, yeah, yeah, Aaron Donald off, so. It gets a little fun. All right. Speaking of the Rams, uh, they finally have an answer for their running back depth. Took a long enough. It comes in the form of someone they are familiar with, Sonny Michelle. Sonny Michelle had 12 carries and 94 yards, and the game's only touchdown in the last Super Bowl the Patriots and Rams squared off in. The Rams gave up a sixth-rounder in 2022 and a fourth-rounder in the 2023 drafts. The team is expected to, well, it was supposed to say be competitive, I forgot to clear this part out. It, originally, the trade was a sixth and a fifth conditional to a fourth this year. If they got a fourth rounder for losing John Johnson the third in free agency, uh, but obviously they changed that. So now the team can rely on two running backs that that have NFL experience with Michelle and Henderson. Cooper, this might end up being a one-year rental, probably. Um, Michelle's in his last year of his contract, and we're. You know, banking on Cam Akers coming back fine from the Achilles next year. But he also has an opportunity, if he does well, to maybe we move on from Henderson and keep Michelle and have Akers and Michelle next year. So That nuts. would be that would be a two headed monster right there. That would be a fun two headed monster. But I'm not I don't need Michelle to do girly things, Todd Gurley things. I just need him to be solid. We just need him to give first downs. Yes, we need to be able to kill the clock between him and Henderson. I like this a lot better than Henderson and whoever the hell you decided to throw out there because it was not going to be pretty. Yeah, and this Henderson guy, was he had only a couple carries? Yes, but he's had more carries than any other running backs on the roster. That's not saying a whole lot, though. No, but at least he has experience. But Shoney Michelle has even more experience, which is fine by me. I love this. I still kind of would have liked a little bit more of a veteran presence in the form of Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson. But to get a guy that's going to basically be more 50-50 rather than, you know, Henderson would probably have been more of an 80-20 between him and the veteran, I, I like that a lot better. So it's probably, it might be like 55-45 in favor of probably Henderson as long as he's healthy. Yeah, but we'll see what happens, man. We will. 
All right, so we told you it was going to happen, and now it has. We will discuss eight of the worst off-season decisions for all 32 teams, but we're going to do the first eight tonight. Part one, baby. Are you ready? Let's do this, brother. So we're doing this in alphabetical order of teams instead of division. It was just easier for me to do this this way because I had I wouldn't have to bounce around to find everybody in this article. Yeah, right. So here we go. Arizona Cardinals. They're going to be relying on your former running back James Conner and Chase Edmonds as their running backs. Then they they learned their lesson with David Johnson and signing a long term deal with a running back that did not work out in their favor. They would key, uh, pick up Kenyon Drake and run out his rookie deal, plus a transition tag through 2020. This offseason, though, they let Drake leave via free agency to the Raiders, but didn't draft a replacement, instead settling on Connor, who hasn't been the back he once was early on in Pittsburgh. Now, to, now you just need to ask, which Pittsburgh am I talking about? Are we talking about the University of Pittsburgh, or are we talking about Pittsburgh Steelers? <laughs> Oy, right. So, Cooper, your thoughts on the Cardinals' running back situation? Uh, if they're banking on Connor, um, good luck. Right. Um, I love Connor. I love his story. I love love how he came. he's made his comeback to the NFL, mm-hmm. but uh, it was very short-lived. Unfortunately. Um, yeah, uh, so hopefully they they can make something of this, but I don't I don't see it. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing it too. Arizona, that's going to be questionable. That's the only reason why when we go to talk about it, I don't have them being that competitive in the division because they really don't have a true running game to go along with Kyle Murray's running capabilities. Um, so that's where I have a problem. Also, Larry Fitzgerald's just sitting down in free agency, not interested in playing football right now. He said he doesn't have the itch to play, and he might not ever have the itch to play again. But if he does have the itch, I wouldn't mind the Rams picking him up. I'm just saying. I don't mind him going to uh, the Steelers. It would be nice for him to go home, and that yeah. well, home as in he's played at the University Pit. Exactly. Speaking of. Former Pitt Panthers. Exactly. It'd be nice for him to return there into that area where he's actually, I believe he still does charity work and stuff for that university. Of course, there's also another Pitt Panther that the Rams have. And if you swear, if you take him from us, I'm going to beat you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, next up, the Atlanta Falcons. The team had an interesting offseason. They drafted Kyle Pitts fourth overall, but would trade away Julio Jones. They had an opportunity to draft their heir to Matt Ryan, but didn't. Ryan now is 36, <coughs> excuse me, and has been declining ever since Kyle Shanahan left to become head coach of the 49ers. Pitts is talented, but it is not on Julio Jones' level yet, and not having their future quarterback on the roster could potentially haunt them. Cooper, your thoughts on the Falcons? <coughs> They're not having air apparent. I mean, you can't really say the Pitts ain't going to be that great. I think he's going to be awesome. He's going to be one of the best tight ends in the league. Mm-hmm. But you can't rely on one guy. That's, right. that's just not feasible. No. And so, and being that, you know, Matt Ryan is get up, getting up there in age and he has no really good options anymore, he's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be tough. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I still have respect for Calvin Ridley, who's still a pretty good receiver, but he's also not Julio Jones. And I just think Matt Ryan just went from, 
Oh, we got Kyle Pitts. I have three great weapons. I got Julio on one side, Ridley on the other. Freaking Pitts going up the seam. Who's going to stop that offense in Olsen? Wait, wait. He got traded to the where? To the Titans? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I just lost my best receiver. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to seeing what Pitts can do because he's going to be a matchup nightmare. You can't guard him with a linebacker because they're too slow, and you can't go guard him with a safety because he's too big. It's He's a matchup nightmare, and I can't wait to watch it. Even a corner. You can't have a corner guard him either. Unless, of course, well, Jalen Ramsey might be able to guard him. Of course him, you would that, say that. Shut up, Homer. He's, he's also a 99 overall on Madden. So yeah, of course. which I think is retarded too. Oh, whatever. you hush. Just don't be just because we got two 99s on my team. Whatever. Both of them are on the defensive side. Oh, crap. Don't be, don't be jelly. One of them wears 99, too. That's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, whatever. All right, the Baltimore Ravens. This offseason, the Ravens have been experimenting on their quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Offensive coordinator Greg Roman has been stated that the team has been trying Jackson under center more often to work on his throwing game. What makes Jackson so neat, unique is that he is best. he's the best dual threat quarterback since Michael Vick, and he may even be faster than Vick. That's coming straight from Vick's mouth. Don't you at me on that, people. Even Mike Vick has said he believes Jackson is faster than he was. Though Vick still had a way stronger arm. Ain't no doubt about that one. Jackson, since taking over the starting job, has mostly operated out of the pistol formation, and the move under center could be detrimental to his skill set. Cooper, your thoughts? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, you have to protect his legs, too. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And if he's doing a whole hell of a lot of running, dude, you're not... And he gets hit just the right way. You know? That's right. what I've always said about running quarterbacks. I don't really care for them because, you know, you're out there putting your whole body on the line for a first down when you could be... You know, giving it to your running back, mm-hmm. doing a little slip pass, whatever, dude. Yeah. Well, just just get the first down, but your ass ain't got to run. You're the damn quarterback. Yeah. Throw the fucking ball. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think it's good to get more wrinkles in the offense. You want to see him do other things than just run the pistol offense. Because oh, yeah. eventually, at some point, you're going to be able to slow down the what's pistol cool, enough. What's cool about this, too, is... Mm-hmm. They can switch back and forth between them. Yeah. So I mean, this this opens their offense up to more mm-hmm. to more plays, and and you know, it, it helps his game more. So yeah. we'll see what happens with it. I mean, honestly, your best bet would to be try to get in some more wrinkles under center in the pistol shotgun formation, even just to give him multiple looks. Oh, what is he doing? Oh, he's under center. But you got to make sure too. You don't want to sit there and only run under center. And do running plays. You got to put in pass plays. He's got to be able to three step drop, get it out quickly. Seven step drop, but try to bomb it downfield. You know, roll bootlegs, naked bootlegs, all that fun stuff. So I think we're, that's not really a bad decision on that part. <clears throat> all right. So the Buffalo Bills saw John Brown, their number three receiver, leave via free agency. However, Brown did miss seven games, which allowed rookie Gabriel Davis to step into the third spot, and he played very well. This offseason, the team signed veteran wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders, who didn't have as good year as Davis despite spending time as the Saints' number one receiver with Michael Thomas out. Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley are easily the top two receiving leaders, <clears throat> receiver, sorry, leaving Sanders and Davis battling for the third spot. 
So basically the bad decision here was signing Emmanuel Sanders when you already have the young guy um, in the third slot. I don't know if it's a bad thing, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, good, good, healthy competition, man. Yep. And I see, mean, you want that spot, work for it. Right. Make the rookie earn Well, not rookie anymore. Make the young guy earn it. Also, Emmanuel Sanders is a great locker room guy. He doesn't cause problems. He's not a diva. He will help out the rookie become better at route running because he'll teach him it. He's also going to help Stephon Diggs learn to become a better leader. And also, Cole Beasley has been very adamant as an anti-vaxxer with this COVID. So, there's a possibility you could be without Cole Beasley. You might want the veteran leadership of Emmanuel Sanders in that locker room to help step up if Cole Beasley's out for any length of time. Yeah. Or possibly decides to leave because he doesn't want to be forced to vaccinate. Because there's always that possibility, too. All right, so next up, the Carolina Panthers. The team only gave Teddy Bridgewater one season as QB1 before deciding to move on. They would trade a second-round pick to the Jets for Sam Darnold. The the Jets had taken Darnold third overall in the 2018 draft, and he has struggled mightily. Head coach Adam Gase didn't help in Darnold's development, as as evident from what he did to the Miami Dolphins with Tannehill. But Darnold also was a turnover machine. They could have used that eighth pick that they had on Justin Fields and kept the second round pick they gave up for Darnold. So their decision is based off of them getting Darnold. I don't know. I like Darnold a lot because he's still relatively young for being drafted so early because he was like, I think, 20 when they drafted him. And he's like 23, about to be 24. So he's still really young, honestly. Yeah. And what I like, too, is Matt Rule is a offensive-minded coach, a lot better offensive-minded coach than Adam Gase, who obviously could not handle head coaching responsibilities. Matt Rule's taking the Sean McVay approach, trying to get guys who have been around the block a few times in the NFL um, in on his coaching staff to help him run the team more better. And I think that's going to help um, Sam Darnold. Plus, they got some better weapons than they did in I mean, New York. The so. way you got to look at it, too, is... When these guys are drafted number one overall mm-hmm. to these teams, dude. <laughs> you're going to crap. You're going to crap. So this is good for Donald because it gives him that shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That shot to prove himself and, and to get himself out of that slump, man. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it a lot of it had to do with protection, too. You can't protect that quarterback. He's not going to be able to, you know, not going to be able to do his job. All right. Plus, a, well, Carolina still's offensive line isn't that great, but it's a lot better than New York's. Yeah. Plus, he also reunites with a former wide receiver from New York, Robbie Anderson, who he had a great connection with, so that helps too. Well, there you go. All right. Dub Bears, who we were just talking about a little bit ago, and we're going to talk about some more. <laughs> the team finally gave up on former number two overall pick Mitch Trubisky, only to sign Andy Dalton as a free agent. They would even claim him as QB1 prior to the draft. And suddenly, Justin Fields began to slip out of the top 10 in the draft, and they pounced, moving up from the 20th pick to the 11th pick to get their quarterback of the future. Fields has a better arm and is way more athletically gifted than Andy Dalton. Dalton has a chance to prove him, had a chance to prove himself last year when Dak Prescott was injured early in the Cowboys season, and with the offensive weapons Dalton had at his, um, that's supposed to be disposal, and that's at exposal for some reason, uh, mm. <laughs> disposal. 
that he still suffered to keep the team afloat in the lousy division. And we just talked about this. Do you think Fields should be QB1? I think he should be QB1. Though I can understand letting Donald get killed, uh, Dalton get killed by Aaron Donald, and then moving on to Justin Fields the following week. But anyway, so go ahead, Cooper. I mean, I see where you're coming from with it. Yeah, I mean, you're putting the guy out there against the number one defensive end in the NFL. That's kind of scary. I mean, (laughs) Darnold would eat your children. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he's going to eat your children. (laughs) I'm going to eat his children. Man, he's a beast, dude. So I can see why. You're right. Maybe that's why they're... They're doing what they're doing, but I don't see Andy Dalton doing anything, dude. He's not he's not a number one QB. He couldn't get it done in Cincinnati. There's no way and he couldn't get it done with the Cowboys. Nope. He's not gonna get it done here. Mm-hmm. And people just need to move on from him and call it good. I can't even believe they moved on from Mitch. Trubisky, but it is what it is. Hey, Trubisky fell into a good spot. He's back up to Josh uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo. Well, there That's you go. That's freaking fantastic. But still, I can't even believe they moved on from him because no. a lot of their problem wasn't him. I feel bad for Nick Foles who went from QB1 to QB3 in the offseason. Right. Mike, you wait, you wait. You had Nick Foles and he went from QB1 to QB3? Yeah. What the? I don't know. Well, actually, he went from... QB2 to QB1, back to QB2. They let Trubisky go. So technically he was QB1 for a little bit. Signed Dalton back to QB2. And drafted Nick, Fields and now he's QB3. And Nick Foles was QB1 at, at Jacksonville. For all of... A day, uh, like a, a play. Yeah. A play. That's all he got was a play. And he was injured. Yeah. And that was it. Or hey, he got a Super Bowl with Philadelphia. So I'd love to have that as my career. Yep. All right. <clears throat> Next up, Cincinnati. They lost Carl Lawson to free agency, and to replace him, they would sign Trey Hendrickson away from the Saints. They gave Hendrickson an almost identical contract that Lawson got from the Jets. Lawson got more guarantees, but one less year. Lawson is a better edge rusher than Hendrickson, and last year was no different. It seems the Bengals downgraded on the edge this offseason. Cooper, your thoughts? Oh, man, that's no good. No good at all. I don't like it. I don't like it either, but at least I can say for for uh, Cincinnati fans, at least it wasn't like a good offensive alignment and you were downgraded on your offensive line for poor Joe Burrow. So I'd rather have a less good edge rusher than not so good offensive line. <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. So especially with Burrow coming back from a torn ACL. A torn, I think it was a torn ACL, torn MCL, and a partial cartilage tear somewhere else too. His knee was jacked up. And you still didn't draft a freaking offensive lineman with your fifth overall pick. Mm-mm. You wait and... I mean, I get it. I get it. Jamar Chase and him. College teammates. Yeah. A really good wide receiver prospect. Probably would have been the highest skill position player if not for Pitts. Obviously, he probably would Yeah, they should have put, picked him for hard knocks. I should might have checked it out. I mean, really. You already checked out the Cowboys. Would you give up on that already? Uh, I've been watching it, but it's about boring as hell, dude. Well, Colin called them boring. He says it's actually a good thing. <laughs> All right, next up and finally for tonight, the Cleveland Browns. 
Cleveland had an opportunity to boost the receiver court with Rashad Bateman from Minnesota in the draft this year. However, they elected to go with a cornerback with a bit of an injury history. The team decided that they'll roll with Jarvis Landry, who is skilled but limited, oft-injured Odell Beckham Jr., and third-round pick Anthony Schwartz. Koopa, your thoughts on the Browns? I don't care. They're the Browns. (laughs) Why do I care? Like, they're my rivalry. Why do I give a shit? I mean, you gave a little bit of something for freaking Baltimore and Cincinnati, and here we are talking about the Browns, and you're just like, Cleveland. Screw <laughs> Cleveland. F Cleveland. Yep. Royally. I mean, I, th- I think it's just a little bit of bitterness because your team lost to them in the AFC uh, wildcard game last you year. You just shut up, dude. And your team looked quiet over your there. Your team looked bad. You try you trying to fight me today? At home? <laughs> in Pittsburgh? Can you do that? David, I mean, David, big man, shut up. I'm just saying, have some self-respect. This is bullshit. Have some self-respect, Pittsburgh. <laughs> Anyways, um, it, I, I kind of agree with this one, actually, honestly, because Odell Beckham Jr. is an injury-plagued wide receiver. Talented as all get out. Not denying that. But his injury history... Makes him very unreliable. And Jarvis Landry couldn't do anything against a very limited Kansas City defense when it was came to man coverage. And they were also struggling against freaking, um, was it Matt Moore? Who was the quarterback backup last year? Whoever the hell it was, it doesn't matter. It oh, wasn't man. freaking Mahomes. And you still lost. Yeah. To a team that you took out Mahomes. How do you freaking do that? You, know, you just suck, that's how. Anyway, so... <laughs> um, I do think Cleveland... Well, actually, I have them technically doing worse than they did last year. But they will be making noise. And unfortunately for them, I think Baker is going to force-feed Odell Beckham again, which is going to lead to problems. And they're, the team might just have to hope Odell goes down with injury again. So that way he stops force-feeding him, and that way they can actually spread well, the they ball. D- if they don't, he, he throws a fit like a baby. So Then there's that. So, you know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> kind of like Le'Veon Bell on the ball. True. All right. So before he goes off on a tangent with Pittsburgh and his former <laughs> running back, who's not even in the league right now. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and do our NFL standing predictions for the AFC and NFC West. Are you ready for that, Cooper? Let's do it, bro. Okay. So, in the AFC West, Cooper has the Chiefs going 17-0, the Chargers 14-3, the Raiders 9-8, and and the Broncos 0-17. Yes, Cooper has three teams going winless. How? I don't know. But he does. It's amazing to watch. Do it again. Amazing? Do it again. I sound like a dumbass. Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, bro. The hell? I don't know. I don't know how we're gonna have like what was it? I think two teams in the entire sixteen game schedule go zero for sixteen, and you have three going the first year. It's zero and seven, <laughs> seventeen games. Fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I'm with you with Houston though. <laughs> I'm with you with Houston's Houston. Houston's going down, bro. I'm with you on Houston. Denver, I gave them six. I don't know how you gave them zero. 
And I don't know what Minnesota did to you in a past life or recently. <laughs> I don't know either, bro, because you don't even say shit about them. I don't even, I don't even hate on them. I'm just like, but yeah, they're not going to win. You freaking just dominate Minnesota <laughs> with your schedule, with your predictions. We are not going back on this, and we're not going to look at it again. Once it's done, it's out there, and I don't care. Whatever. But I'm going to keep up with, with, you know, the standings better this year, and I'm going to make sure that next year my predictions are a little bit more wise. Yeah. So there you go. I'm going to laugh if Minnesota makes the playoffs. <laughs> oh, because that would just be funny. Don't get me wrong. They may win their final game. I don't know. I don't remember who Houston's playing. But I think it's a team that we have, like, I think winning the division or something like that and probably would be resting their players. So they might win that game. But other than that, we don't see Houston doing shit. So I'm close with I, I agree. They went 0-17 on mine, too. But All right. So in my prediction, I have the Chiefs. Chargers, Broncos, Raiders, Chiefs sixteen and one. I gave uh, the I think they played the Chargers the last game of the year, so I gave the Chargers that one, I believe, or one of those. I gave one to the Chargers. I think the, Char- I think the Chargers will win at home. Just something tells me that uh, Herbert will, ha- based off what happened last year and Herbert's emergency start, he almost beat the Chiefs at home, and so I think he has a chance to beat them at home. Uh, the Broncos will go six and eleven. I have that, and the Raiders three and fourteen. I'm not really hating on the Raiders. It's just they have a really hard schedule. They're in a really hard com- uh, division, and I just have a hard time seeing them do anything because they are now kind of like the m- most recent Cowboys, hyped and then failed to live up to it. So I just have a hard time with them. In the NFC West, Cooper has the Rams winning the division at 13 and 4. The Seahawks 11 and 6, the 49ers or sorry, Cardinals 9 and 8 and then the 49ers 8 and 9. And that's if Garoppolo's healthy. <laughs> he has the Niners going 8 and 9. I have the Seahawks and Niners tying for the division. Seahawks I think will get some weird tiebreaker. Um and go because I believe they have the same division record and be 14 and 3 both. The Rams will finish 12 and 5. Thank God we got a running back to help. And the Cardinals 7 and 10. I just, without a run game to help support Kyle Murray or Kyler Murray, I just don't see the Cardinals doing much better. They may get closer to the 500 mark. Obviously, you can't go 500. I mean, don't, don't totally count out James Conner. I mean, he, he he can bring a run game, but it's 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 give and go with him. You never know, man. That's that's the scary part about him. So yes, sir. I mean, I I'm a little shocked that I gave my team a twelve and five, and then I gave the Niners and Seahawks fourteen and three. But it is what it is. Apparently it for is me, what it is. So yeah, that was just uh, that was fun though. It was fun. It to was do. fun, but it was it was. Unrealistic in some ways, and uh, yeah, 
It is what it is. I wonder who's going to end up drafting number one overall between your three winless teams. Uh, well, if the preseason has anything to do with the way they're going to be playing now, the regular season, I think the Jaguars are pretty stout to get that number one spot. Oof. They've been playing shite. Yeah, but at the same time, you don't want to give away too much of your offense either. So. I guess then there's a... Everything you're doing is pretty vanilla. Plus, your defense is also kind of vanilla, too. I don't take a whole lot of stock in the preseason. Um, obviously, like, the Rams are suffering, but we're also not playing any starter. And also, most of our second string also isn't playing. Yeah. So, I'm looking at it like, yeah, I can't buy a whole lot of stock into that because I don't know how my team really looks because I'm not having my real team start. And there's that, right? Yeah, plus almost 75% of the league isn't really even starting starters. It's just the old school guys, Belichick, Arians, Tomlin. Uh, I'm missing another old school uh, guy. Sean Payton. Sean Payton, yes. And there's probably one more. Uh, probably the Cowboys would probably be playing Dak if his shoulder didn't have a situation. He probably... Yeah. I've been playing some McCarthy. Probably would have had him playing a little bit at least. So, And obviously, when you have a quarterback competition that you had in Chicago, technically, Jacksonville, yeah, um, Denver, obviously your quote-unquote starters have to start so you can see who's winning that competition. So, obviously. so, And then, of course, you have San Francisco who's doing things in their own way because, you know, it's San Francisco and they can do that. And there's that, right? That's right, because that's the way San Francisco plays. They are a rogue team and play by their own set of rules, apparently. Trust me, they will suck again at some point because for some reason the injury bug loves San Francisco for some reason. And hoping it's this year again, please. Because I, th- I think we have a good chance if Trey Lance is the quarterback instead of Jimmy Garoppolo. So, of course, something has to happen to that... Uh, Nick Bosa, because or Joey Bosa, sorry, Nick's in Los Angeles. Yeah, something's got to happen to. Uh, He's in Joey. San Diego. Which one? It's Los Angeles. <laughs> I hate saying it, but it's Los Angeles. Should be San Diego. Should. Anyways, so that'll do it for us. We will be back, of course, Friday when we do part one of Wrestling Talk because we got a whole lot of AEW Ooh, to talk about. Dude, so much going on. It's so crazy, brother. Things have been popping. Chicago was nuts on Rampage. Oh, yes. And I'm hearing already good things from Dynamite and tonight. I'm so surprised that they... they uh, is, I'm surprised Rampage is a one-hour show. It needs to be, too. I kind of get it, though, because they're running it right after SmackDown. Oh, whatever. I'm just saying, if you're going to do it too, you probably would start halfway through SmackDown or just challenge SmackDown. Challenge SmackDown. You could. Challenge SmackDown. (laughs) Might as well. Do it. Do it. He says, do it. They would have won the ratings then, man. They probably did anyways. I think SmackDown still won. But barely. Yeah, right. No, I'm pretty sure it's they, they fake the numbers like everything else anymore. <laughs> That's right. Don't believe everything you read in the news about the COVID numbers. They fake everything. It's fake news. 
I miss my president. <laughs> Anyways, um, before we get into political bullshit, uh, and then Saturday we'll be back with part two of wrestling night, uh, wrestling talk because we have some SummerSlam to discuss. We had a great crescendo to a complete and utter what the p- was that? Onions, bro. Onions. Don't get me started. All on, day on, onions. Don't get me started on, on Captain Onion. He's <laughs> gonna make you cry, bro. Onions. Not as bad as the Chicago fan. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry. That's true, dude. That's true. That, that dude was... He was all tears, man. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah. I was like, is he crying? <laughs> There's no crying. There's no crying in wrestling. Come on, you can't get none of these people to cry legitimately. Unless, unfortunately, one of their compadres has passed away. Then yeah. you get real tears. Other than that, you ain't getting shit. Anyways. So, and um, then, of course, uh, baseball, basketball talk will probably be Monday, so we don't do three straight nights. Otherwise, we'll probably both be horse come the end of that um, <laughs> trek. So Yeah, that, and I got kids this weekend, so yeah, dad mode is churned on. Oh. Right. <laughs> Well, can you can you at least wait until we have the kids before you go all dad mode? Well, I got puppies, so dad mode is still there. Yeah, since you got puppies and you don't got oh look, Jr. Puppies. Yeah, it ain't that way. <laughs> it's like freaking puppies. puppies. <sighs> anyway, so <laughs> we look forward to that. Of course, we'll be back with more football talk. We're gonna do part two of the worst decisions by all thirty-two teams. As we deal with, um, well, you know, eight, was it, nine through 16. So, looking forward to that. It's going to be fun, bro. Yeah. So, it's going to be fun. NASCAR fun this weekend. Daytona's going to be popping yes, this weekend. Yes, that's what's up. I wish I was going. Me too. I would love it. I would love it. I kind of really want to go to the 500 first, though. If I'm yeah. going to go to a race... I'd really like it to be the Daytona 500. Right. We might just have to make that happen, Captain. Yes, especially with my new job having discounts. Ooh. Ticket discounts. Yes, sir. Yes. Looking forward to that. All right. So, that does it for us here at Sports Talk. And as always, keep Keep on on talking sports. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everyone, this is Big Man. This is Cooper. We hope you enjoyed our latest episode, but be sure to check us out on our social medias. On Facebook at Cooper Big Man. Our Facebook page, Sports Talk with Cooper and Big Man. On Twitter at Cooper underscore Big Man ST. On Instagram, also at Cooper Big underscore Big Man ST. At TikTok at Sports Talk dot Cooper dot Big Man. Or you can email us at Sports Talk with Cooper in Big Man. That's Sports Talk. W-I-T, Cooper, the letter N, big man, and that's at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we love you guys for checking us out. Be sure to catch us on our next episode.